today and you're going to like it. I think he's going to be on fire. I think he normally is. <laughs> and he has things to say as in the name of his sermon. You'll see what I mean, but it's singing Rock of Ages. His name of his, say, his sermon is Jesus, our rock. Mr. Barnabas Grayson. Thank you, Ron, for that hymn. It does apply to, uh, in a, many ways, to the sermon that I have this afternoon. We're few, but we're many. I didn't bring any matches, so you want to worry about getting caught on fire or anything. You know how I am sometimes. Uh, I drone on a little bit and watch you fall asleep. Let's see, we're getting another handout here, so uh, when you get that, we'll uh, go over what I have for you this afternoon. So greetings to all of you, and uh, especially to those who are tuned in and watching. We hope that you're feeling good today, feeling better today, and Hope to see you real soon. As we face the storms of life, it's going to take the will, uh, it's going to take the doing of the will of God and obeying the word as we see it shown to us. And then following in the steps of Jesus Christ and then putting our trust in his word, his living word that is going to lead and guide us through whatever storms of life come our way. Some of us have faced storms of life spiritually, physically, emotionally, and so on. In 1 Peter, we read in verse 13, it says he's telling them he's, he's saying to them, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. To gird up means to prepare, to prepare your mind for action. I'm, I think we've heard that uh, defined once before in, in some other previous sermon. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that hope that we have, that we carry with us each day of our life, and as we come and listen to the word of God being preached, there is that hope that keeps building. And sometimes we may lose that hope throughout the week, but when we come back, or when we read the word of God, that hope is revived in us. That hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, because we are supposed to be changed. We're supposed to not be doing those things that we did in our immaturity. In other words, we're not to backslide into the way that we, that we used to be, according to those former lusts that was done in you know, our ignorance. But as he which has called you 
is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. That is, in all manner of conduct. Because it is written, it is written, be you holy for I am holy. So those, that's, those are statements that sometimes can come to our mind. Whenever we are thinking of maybe walking outside the bounds of, of the law of God, of walking outside his commandments and doing things that we're not supposed to, returning to our old ways, that should come to our mind. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So we know that God is watching us, that he is with us through the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So we are to be set apart from the evil that is that is around us, to set ourselves apart and not follow the crowd, even if you think it, it, it's okay to do. But we have to judge. We have to choose between what is right, what is wrong, and how God looks at it. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without respect to persons, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. That sojourning is our stay. Ever how long we, we stay in, in this life, to pass it here in respect, in fear, in respect to God, our Savior, and to his uh, way of life. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, you weren't purchased with corruptible things. When you think about how Jesus gave his life for each and every one of us, how he supplied us with knowledge in the, uh, through the word that we have before us that all of this was done because he loved us he first loved us and that he purchased it with his precious blood because he was born with flesh and blood suffered as uh, as any of us do but we know then that he has re redeemed us not with any gold or silver but with his precious blood or any it was it was like silver and gold uh, but with verse 19 but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifested in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. So Jesus gave his life for every person, those of old, you know, the ancient times and those of the present time and those of the future time, like our children, like our grandchildren, those who have yet to grow up and, uh, in the faith. And so we look at that and we realize how wonderful that love is and that love is still continuing for us so we are the lords whether we live or whether we die living or dying we follow him because he first loved us so whatever happens to us in our life whatever storm of life that we face we know that he is with us through the spirit that dwells in us that comes uh, to us whenever things are not going our way or whenever we are thinking about straying from the path the word the living word 
lives in us and reminds us, be ye holy, for I am holy. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, who unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And, you know, that would include praying for one another, knowing about how others are doing, and thinking about one another in some way. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, that is, you know, perishable seed, but of incorruptible, that is, imperishable, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. So the Holy Spirit that was planted in us, that dwells in us, is an incorruptible seed that will give us eternal life when the resurrection comes. When the, the, the Spirit of God helps us along the way and, and helps us to grow. Verse 24, we know this, especially when we are afflicted. Verse 23, when we are afflicted or filled with some kind of hurt or damage in our life, that all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. And anytime we are sick, anytime we know someone is sick, we, we realize that we are just temporary and that we only have a certain stay here. When autumn comes, we know there's this gradual change in the weather. You know, the air begins to chill. We start to put on uh, clothing that is appropriate so that we don't get chilled by uh, because the sun is getting lower and lower as it sinks toward the, the southern horizon. You look at the trees and they're you know, dropping their leaves and, and the flowers and the grass are starting to fade. And then you see pumpkins everywhere and all that stuff and you, and you realize that you know, this is, this is uh, what they call fall weather. Uh, really, there's nothing strange about it because it's a seasonal thing, but some 2,000 years ago, like the pagan Druids, they worshipped nature, and they celebra celebrated this time of year with uh, that change from seeing uh, light change into darkness and that there was decay uh, coming about everywhere they looked, and there was this superstitious belief that they, uh, that they thought the... Uh, that evil was becoming more powerful in the world and causing the change. And today we have a remnant of, of, that, uh, of that celebration thousands of years ago, which is, uh, you know, the celebration of Halloween. But as Christians, we know that this is not a good thing. But, you know, some say, well, it's harmless fun. It's a fun time for people children especially for their imagination if they say sensibly observed and sometimes you know this celebration really gets gets out of hand now there's one proponent of Halloween he said that Christians should embrace the devilish holiday with gusto and laughter and that Christians should lighten up because Halloween can be turned into a positive by addressing some of those questions that concern uh, life and death. I'm just mentioning this because it is that time of year when uh, we're, we're uh, confronted with these things 
And sometimes, you know, the charm of this season can draw you in without you knowing it. You begin to look at all these things. You look at the ghastly, the figures, the skeletons, and the tombstones that are in the front yards of people. And you know this is not the way one should look at death. And so Jeremiah, over in 10 to East, he opposes such reasoning as, as those words that I just read because he said to learn not the way of the heathen. Don't practice what they do. And in 2 Corinthians 6.14, the question is asked, well, what communion has light with darkness? And what con concord has Christ with Belial? Which is a name that means wick wickedness and is another name for Satan. But there is a charm to this time of year that makes people just want to be scared and be scared. And uh, sometimes I, I think, you know, when my grandkids are over and here I am out there jumping out at them and scaring them. And, and uh, I guess I just love to hear them scream. But so it's that time of year. And there are a lot who are, who are caught up in, in that. And it's some of those things that, you know, we left behind as, as uh, immature Christians a long time ago or immature uh, people. And so scripture admonishes us to abstain from all appearance of evil, which could be in the way that uh, we dress and in, the, in our conduct or in the way we act. And you know that when uh, children or even adults put on costumes, they take on the character uh, of what that costume is supposed to portray. So it's uh, not just Halloween, but there are so many other things in, in life that charm us, that can uh, take us off uh, the track of righteousness. But we have to gird up our minds because, you know, bad weather can come. And the rain descended, verse 25, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded uh, uh, upon a rock. Is our Christian life, is, are the things that we're doing, is it uh, foundationally strong? And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. But a prudent man, he foresees the evil, and he, uh, he prepares for it. But the simple will pass on, and they're punished, so says Proverbs 22, verse 3. The Living Bible expresses that same verse in this manner. It says, a prudent man foresees the the difficulties. He sees it, uh, foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them, but the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So it is wise to take precautions for our physical well-being and also for our spiritual well-being and be grounded in the faith that, that we uh, profess and just not take things for granted. 
You've probably heard about the F1 tornado there in Coweta, uh, was I think it was Sunday or Monday. Uh, uh, I was on the back porch and watching, uh, facing the west and across the pasture and to a big line of trees and I could see the, uh, the lightning flashing behind those trees and I knew that it was the southern uh, side of Broken Arrow and on pass you go on toward uh, Bigsby and, and toward Glenpool and because uh, Glenpool is where uh, uh, my uh, daughter and her kids live and uh, so you know that in the distance there is right now just a flash of lightning and it's coming your way and Carolyn's inside listening to the weather and uh, I'm sitting there on the back porch and just I guess kind of enjoying uh, the, the lightning view and there was a uh, a streak of lightning that just came straight down. It, it, it just was there like, uh, just like a, a sword off to the north in the distance, but it was bright and it stayed for probably maybe a couple of seconds or so, and then it got quiet. And I knew, you know, from experience that pretty sooner or later I'm going to hear the big boom. And, you know, you count every how many seconds you, to know how far away it is. And then it, it boomed. And I thought about the time when uh, God spoke to Israel from, from the mount, how there were thunder and lightnings and all of those things that could really frighten a person, that they would, you know, step back from it. But I stayed out there, in, in, you know, absorbing all this stuff, and, and finally Carolyn pokes her head out and says, we're under a, a tornado alert, tornado warning. I didn't get up and move right away, and... I'm kind of like that. I, I just sort of loaf around, and she went to the, uh, she was going getting things to, uh, to the, uh, to the safe room there inside the house, and uh, I was still piddling around, and I had to go get a couple of things, and I brought something in there and laid it in there, and she said, "Oh, I forgot my purse," so she goes to the bedroom, rushes to the bedroom, gets a purse, and comes in there, and I'm still loafing around, and. Uh, she says, she's getting after me now. Get in here. You know, if you don't get in here right now, I'm going to pull you in. And so I thought about it, went in, and, you know, the safe room, this refuge that we have there, it's, it's just a steel, heavy-type metal. And I, I sat down there. We got a couple of stools there. It's not a very big place. And uh, I thought, well, it reminds me of an elevator, but a small elevator. And I looked around, and there was metal, and she started, uh, Carolyn started, you know, barring the doors. There's this big metal rod. And she put that at the top, clanked it in, and then she put it at the bottom, clanked it in, and I'm watching. And she turned a couple of latches at the top, click, 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 down below, you know. And she sat back down, and I guess, you know, I felt safe. <laughs> And I thought all sorts of things. You know, uh, sometimes I, I thought, well, what if they didn't bolt it down very good? Or what if something <laughs> fell on top of us and we couldn't get out? I didn't let that be known, but I was thinking of that. And I was looking at the bolts, and I've seen pictures of where, you know, bolts just start breaking off. And so my imagination was going. And, uh, and I thought, uh, before she called me in, she... If, you know, saying, if you don't come in here, I'm going to pull you in. And I said, well, it's quiet. You know, I said, that's a bad sign. When it, when it gets quiet, you know, that, that could be the sign of a tornado. So, yeah.
And, but anyway, uh, we, nothing happened, and uh, we had our cell phone in there, and, and uh, it, it, most of that tornado happened down to the south, southeast of where we lived, over by the high school there in Coweta, and, and it was determined that it was an F1 tornado. But things like that come close. And that's a physical thing where you can take precautions and where you can have uh, s some place to go, a refuge. Uh, in this case, it wasn't made out of stone, but it was made out of metal. And so we look to that. And sometimes you're in spiritual storms of life, you know, you don't have a, a place to go to unless it is maybe a favorite place where you might want to go and, and ponder things and think about things and and pray to God over things, maybe a, a place out in the yard or out on the steps or you know, wherever. So we have to go to a refuge, a, a shelter, uh, somewhere where we can begin to come in contact with uh, God in order to save us. So there are a lot of ways in which the storms of life can affect us, not only physically, but emotionally, physically, and spiritually. In Isaiah 55, verse 6, verse 6, uh, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he's near. And we see that, you know, Isaiah here, is, he's crying out to the sinners. He's saying, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. And that salvation is open. To all, like, you know, the door, the cellar to that. It's not exactly a cellar. It's just like a safe room. That door is open, but you just got to you just got to take advantage of it. You got to go into it. So salvation is open and that you have to do so while there is time, while our stay on earth, as we sojourn on earth while there's time, because there will come a time when judgment comes. And then it will be too late. It could be too late to get into the cellar. And it, with my poking around, you know, I jeopardize my own self. I don't know if she should have closed the door on me or not. But, <laughs> but let the wicked forsake his way. That's what Isaiah is saying. saying and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Two things, you know, when you, uh, your way are the deeds that you do. And also to forsake uh, your thoughts. The unrighteous man, his thoughts, the way you think. After all, that's what leads a person off of the path. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And he says in verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Because, you know, as we saw there in verse 7, that uh, he tells us that, you know, man's way is wicked and that his thoughts are unrighteous and, that, you know, that they lead to all sorts of sinful deeds. But God will be merciful to those who return unto him and he will abundantly pardon. That's saying a lot. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
So once that rain falls and hits the earth, it's there. It's going to fulfill a purpose, just like the word of God that comes from heaven. It goes into our heart and into our mind, and it's there to fulfill a purpose if we, you know, uh, look for it, if we uh, ponder it. So we know that when, you know, the rain falls on thirsty ground, it does its work right away and things begin to grow. On the other hand, when snow falls, it's, it falls to the ground, then it lays dormant for a while. But we know that it is gradually sinking into the soil. And so there is a kind of a, uh, an understanding that we get from this in looking at the word of God, like rain that falls or even the snow that covers the ground. Because God's word, when we hear it preached, it can immediately remind us of something. We, are, we come across the truth, perhaps, that we haven't understood before or looked at before. And sometimes, like the snow that sinks, you know, slowing into the ground is some, uh, at, at some point, maybe even years down the road, uh, that word sinks into our heart and into our mind, and it blossoms into something, oh, I never thought about that. And, and we, we have a new exposure to a new truth, perhaps, or a new understanding comes to our mind. And so we read in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So the word of God comes to us not only from those who give uh, messages from, from this word of God here, but through fellowship and, and through other ways. The word of God like the rain and snow from heaven, it comes to fulfill a purpose. So we have to seek the Lord while he may be found. That is why we are encouraged to fellowship so much the more as we see the day coming. Isaiah 56, uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, keep you judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. You know, we still have yet to learn a whole lot about the purpose and the plan and the salvation that God has in store for us. We know that he's preparing a mansion for us. Blessed is a man that does this, and the son of man that lays hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. And neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. So we know that there are people who feel like sometimes they are left out. They are left out of the plan and the salvation and the covenant of God. But in verse 4, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath, and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. See verse 5. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So in addition to this mansion that we are supposed to receive, 
when that time comes, the eternal life that we are to receive at the resurrection, that there is going to be also an everlasting name, an everlasting reputation that uh, we will have, and it shall not be cut off. Verse 6, also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountains and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And the Lord God which gathered the outcasts of Israel says, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered uh, to him. So we look for a refuge in our storms that we face. We know that he is our refuge. We know that he is our stronghold. And we know where to go when a, a storm is approaching or when it has approached. He's our stronghold in times of trouble. So like the rain that falls, God can, God's word can refresh us, encourage us, and keep us growing toward his righteousness and putting our trust in him and being born eventually into that kingdom that is to come. In Psalm chapter 9, we see a, a psalm that is a praise, David's praise for God's deliverance. In verse 8, we read that the Lord, it says, shall judge the world in righteousness. And in verse 18, we read that the, the fate of the wicked is to be snared in the works of his own hands. It's going to turn against him. All the wrong that he's doing is going to catch up with him. You know, in our world today, we see wickedness prevailing just, just about everywhere. We see and hear bad things happening not very far from, you know, our front door, our front steps, down our street, and even happening to people that we know. So in, in his time, David, too, was aware of his surroundings, of things that were going on around him, the wickedness that was taking place, even as we are in, in, into, in our time today. I, uh, watching uh, television recently, and, there, and there's a lot of news coverage uh, on that girl that went missing, and they eventually found her, Gabby, I can't think of her, Petito, I believe it was, and they can't find whom they think uh, had to do with her, of her disappearance and her killing. And to see that young lady there on television, it just it made me cry because there are so many like that who are suffering in this day and age. Now, we know that, like in the, uh, the message before, that God will resurrect that he will bring to life all those who have, all those who have died. And it will be a time of rejoicing when all tears will be wiped away. But we see that in this psalm, David is also aware of God and that God is going to deliver and he's going to judge the world and the wicked accordingly. And so he prays the Lord as his refuge and his stronghold in times of trouble. In verse 9, we read that the Lord was, uh, 
is to be a refuge for also the oppressed. And as it says again, a refuge in time of trouble. In verse 17, on the other hand, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So there, that's one thing is the, re the reason why all these things happen is because they have forgotten God. They have forgotten his way. They have forgotten his law. So that's the reason we see all the troubles in the world because the world has just forgotten their creator. We know that God created all people, but they have forgotten him, gone their own, own way, and we suffer the consequences. Psalm, uh, Psalms 10, verse, this verse 1, it gives us a question that we all may sometimes ask ourselves and, and wonder about. It says, why standest thou afar off, Lord? Why hide yourself in times of trouble? In verse 4, down in verse 4, we read, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. They, the wicked, they boast because they don't fear God. They revile God and they bring trouble on the humble, saying, God's not going to see. And so the law of the Lord is far from them in, in, in their conduct. But yet, you know, still they prosper. And the question at, at verse 1, why stand you far off, O Lord? And so they think there is no God. They just, they just, uh, they just turn, that God just turns away. But we know that God is going to call them into account. And we know that when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage in Egypt, it was because he heard their cry. And because so much evil and sin is taking place in our time, it's like people become jaded to it. And the prayers are not hard enough. And it's just... They don't cry like... They really want God to come and help. But when Israel was in bondage in Egypt, they cried because things were getting tough. And God heard, heard uh, their prayer for deliverance. Psalm 11, Psalms 11, verse 3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know, when the godly values of righteousness are being undermined, the wickedness is going to bring division, and it's going to bring discord, and it's going to damage, do damage to the people. So sometimes we may feel, well, we're just at a loss as to know what to say or, or what to do or even what to pray for at times because there are forces that, that are strong against us, you know, like, like the force of the storm, like the wind. In verse 4, we read this, that the Lord is in his holy temple, and that his eyes behold the children of men. So he's on duty. He's watching. He sees us, and he's, and he's testing. Verse 6, upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portions of their cup. What can the righteous do? 
What can they say? What can they pray? Psalm 94. Verse 1. And this is a prayer. You know, these psalms are either praises or their prayers or their thoughts that are brought before the eternal. It says in verse 1, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs. O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show yourself. Lift up yourself, you judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger, and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the, Lord, uh, shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, you brutish among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? You know, sometimes, somewhere along the line, there will be a prophet, perhaps, and we have to be careful when prophets come along, because, you know, there are going to be false prophets. But we know that the two witnesses are those who will speak the truth, who will cry aloud, who will spare not and tell their people their sins. And just because of that, they're going to be eventually hated, persecuted, and killed, but they will be resurrected, brought to life before the very eyes of the world. Understand, you brutish among the people and you fools, when will you be wise? What's it going to take to look at society and at uh, ourselves? He that chastens, oh, he that planted the ear, shall he not hear? So, you know, those ears that we have stuck to the side of our head is what God has made. That's what God has given us to hear, to listen. And he that formed the eye, shall he not see? So we have eyes to see. And those seeing these things helps us to understand. He that chastises the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teaches man knowledge shall not he know. So we're reading this prayer. We're reading this, uh, this psalm as to what the righteous can do. The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Blessed is a man whom you chasten, O Lord, and teach him out of your law. That you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be, be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. We will, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, my foot slips Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts, within me, your comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with you, which frames mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the, the innocent. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. So in times of trouble, Whatever it might be, whenever the storms of life come our way, 
we can remember this verse, this verse in 22, that the Lord is our defense, that he is our refuge. You know, earlier, uh, Ron, uh, sang, we, we sang this song, Rock of Ages. Uh, some of you probably know the story behind this, but it was claimed in 1923 that this hymn, the Rock of Ages, it appears in more hymnals than in any other English hymn. And the story of this hymn was written uh, by August Augusta or Augustus Toplady. He was out walking in, in a gorge, a Burrington Gorge in England one day, and he got caught in a sudden storm. But he found a rock that had a cleft in it. And so he ran into it to, find, to get shelter out of the, the storm and the lightning and the wind. And while that storm raged around him, he thought of those words that we, that we sang uh, this afternoon. And that was in 1775. And, and three years later, Top Lady, uh, he died at the age of 38 years old. But you remember that song, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide thyself in thee. And so he remembered the blood of Christ. And he put his trust in him. And, and he said, save from wrath and make me pure, he wrote. So sometimes when we're, we're caught in a storm, we have to write it out. We write it out with faith and hope, looking to Jesus, our defense, and our rock of refuge. So we all meet with physical, emotional, and spiritual distress sometimes in life, and some more than others, but have come through with strength and help from God. In John 4, verse 14, now I have notes on numbers uh, Chapter 20, verses 1 through 13, but uh, I won't go through that. Perhaps you'll, you can read that on your own. And in John 4, 14, it says, Whoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. So we see how the children of Israel were complaining to God, complaining to Moses that uh, they were thirsty, that they needed water. And it kind of angered Moses. And God told uh, Moses to take the rod and speak to the people. But instead of speaking to the people, to the rock, that is, speaking to the rock, he used his rod to hit it two times, which he wasn't supposed to do. And that was the reason why Aaron and, and Moses weren't able to lead uh, the children into the promised land. But in verse 10, I mean, chapter 10, of 1 Corinthians, in verse 1 through 7, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, 
and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and neither be idolaters as were some of them. For as it is written, the people sat down and to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. So there are things that come along in our life that we are supposed to stay on the straight and narrow because there's coming a time of judgment when, when all the things that we say, all the things that we do, our manner of conduct is going to be, uh, is going to be make, or make or break us. I'd like to close with Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 47 and 48. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, but could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. So that's how our Christian life should be, based on the, that rock, and that rock was Jesus Christ.